guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, Lesson 35, Mark 7. You know, yesterday we were talking about the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, and then one of the areas we didn't get to is one of the classic stories. And Taylor, we had talked about this a little bit earlier when, when the, you know, the disciples were out on the boat and the storm was coming. And you would think that because Jesus rebukes the wind and gets the, the, the water to be still and, and to be silent, that when Jesus starts walking on water, it'd be like, oh, no big deal. But just want to make sure everybody understands at the end of Mark 6, that's the famous story of Jesus walking on water. But there's so much to cover here. Feeding the 5,000, walking on water. You know, in Mark 7 here, we're talking about the tradition and how people love to elevate the tradition. Oh, my. Could we not just camp out on this right here alone? I mean, how many of us, you know, if we start describing our past, of our time in our congregations. Now you got to understand, my congregation that I was a part of growing up shaped my life. God used it to radically influence me for the Lord. So please don't hear me say I'm knocking this, but there are some traditions that I grew up with that I recognize were totally, maybe not necessarily in scripture, but that's just because that's what our denomination did. And so here, we're first 20, 23 verses in Mark 7, talking about, hey, why don't your disciples wash their hands when they should wash their hands or they begin to get into all of this tradition about receiving things and releasing things and oh my when we begin to have tradition trump truth you know we're in trouble and so that's what the first 23 verses are and then when you get into verse 24 then you have jesus talking about how remember how jesus serves the people he's actually with the people and so in verse 24 he begins to really talk about the the demonic in specifically a, a young girl, a daughter. And so there's this interactions that Jesus is interacting with the religious. He's interacting with the lost. He's interacting with those that are sick. And that's really where I want to go to today is that I want to continue to interact with Jesus as he dialogues with the sick, those that actually need to get well. Now in the gospel of Mark, there's a couple stories, specifically a couple parables of healings and of stories that are only unique to Mark. Okay, so in Mark 4, verse 26 through 29, which we didn't teach on, but it talks about a parable of a growing seed. That's the only parable you'll find in the Synoptic Gospels in regards to that. Now, today's topic, the topic of the deaf and the mute man and how he's going to be healed. It's the only story with this story found in the Gospels. There's four of these. Another one is a blind man is healed found in Mark 8. And another one is, is about a, a, the parable of an absent uh, homeowner. Okay, found in Mark 13. So there's four four parables that are just exclusive for the Gospel of Mark. And this is one of them today. Mark 7, verse 31 through 37. It really is, it's about a healing that's going to take place with a Gentile. Remember, the language it really throughout uh, the Gospels is that the target audience was who, Kevin? They were to go to the Jews. To go to the Jews. So anytime Jesus had an interaction with a Gentile, it was always different. It was always kind of like, eh, it's not of the norm, which is why the religious are always pushing back. And so here you have, it says, Jesus, okay, he doesn't say he's on a road trip, but that's really what he's doing. We have this awesome map here provided by Tom. Tom, I'm not sure, if, did you even draw this yourself maybe? I mean, it's pretty good. No. We don't take credit for this. We, we, need, we don't take credit for any of this, just for the record. In Mark 7, verse 31, okay, here's what it says. Now, this road trip that I'm going to describe that Jesus went on, uh, many commentators say it could have taken weeks, if not months. Okay, so in Mark 7, verse 31, 
It says, again, leaving the region of Tyre. Okay, so here it is. Okay, he went by the way of Sidon. So he went all the way up here. Did you notice, interesting enough, you know, he's going to end up down here. He doesn't take the short path. Scripturally, Jesus took for some reason the long way. So he went by the way of Sidon. And then it says he went all the way down here to the Sea of Galilee. And then it says he went through Decapolis. Now, Decapolis is this league of 10 Greek Hellenized cities. Okay, that's east of the Jordan River. This is a ridiculous journey. And again, even if like in today, if you're in Israel and you were to drive this right now, this would still be a long journey. This would still be an hour, an hour and a half, two hours at least of doing this journey and probably going through some security checkpoints. <laughs> the point is, this is a long journey. So I wanted to have this map up as Jesus is doing as he's doing ministry. And so why do you think his family was concerned? Because he was always busy. He was exhausted. He wasn't having time to eat. And it says, they brought to him a deaf man who had a speech difficulty and begged Jesus. They begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. Before I really, I guess, really dig into this story, I think this is interesting because only in the Jewish culture at that time uh, would have been laying uh, the hands. Ben Worthington says, Withington says, you would lay hands. That was a Jewish culture and custom to lay hands on people for healing. So you have to wonder, I don't know, are these Jewish people bringing this to Jesus? Uh, it could be. I'm just, I'm pointing it out just based on the tradition. Because remember, the beginning of Mark 7, we're talking about traditions. And so maybe one of these traditions is that they're bringing this to the table. But I will tell you this, and Grasmick says this well, about the interaction with the deaf and the, the, the mute man. Was that difficulty, defective speech, he says, excuse me, usually results, okay, defective speech usually results from defective hearing. And I think this is interesting Go take, take it to the extreme now. And usually that could imply both physically and spiritually at that time. Can't say that for sure. Never appointing it to that specific reason. Don't hear me say it. But I think it's, it's okay to say that that could be a possibility. So as you're in verse 33, I'm in Mark 7, verse 33. Mark 7, 33 says this. So he took away from the crowd privately. He took him away from the crowd privately. Why are we seeing this? Why are we seeing, you're going to learn more about in Mark, Jesus is, is, is taking away those that he's healing and he's putting them to, to the side. What, what, what for do you think? Well, I think it goes to the servanthood and the humility that a servant has. He doesn't want to show, he's not showing off his healing. That goes against everything of how we're wired in the U.S. It feels like everything now today uh, and I wrestle with this, has to be on video, has to be on Facebook, has to be on Instagram. Everything is like, look at me. Jesus, as a servant, was the complete opposite. He took this deaf and mute individual privately. So he pulled him aside. What I'm going to do today is, is, one, do you guys remember, we talked about this yesterday. What, what do you have to have in order for, for action to take place? <laughs> you got to have compassion. Compassion always leads to action. If you are a servant, if you have a servant mentality, you will have compassion. And I, and I was praying through, you got to understand, as you go through Mark 7, you, you could pick any story you wanted to teach on. But as I go through these seven chapters and the rest of the, uh, of the book, every time I go through a chapter, I say, Lord, where does this show that Jesus is servant? 
And what you're going to hear in this story is the ultimate servant. Jesus is radically touching this person where no people would touch. Like we're going to get into ears and tongue. I mean, if I said feet, half the room would be disgusted probably. You know, like many people don't even like feet. So Jesus as a servant, because he has compassion on those who can't hear and who cannot speak, it says he took him privately. Maybe because he doesn't want to embarrass him. Maybe he doesn't want to be a show. Maybe he doesn't want to be like all this flashy because that's not who Jesus is. And it just says, (laughs) let me give you an example, okay? Well, let me read this. And it says in Mark 7, 33, after putting his fingers, (laughs) Jesus's fingers, in the man's ears, I don't know, I had to spit out my tongue, and spitting, he then touched his tongue. So he touched the man's ears with earwax, right? Probably nasty ear hair. I'm just guessing, okay? And then he touched his tongue and spit. Hey, how's the wax taste? <laughs> you ever thought about that? I'm sure he wasn't like, so maybe he was spitting to clean <laughs> Clean, clean off the wax. My point is, there's nothing kosher about what he just did. Nothing. It's just nastiness. Like, I love my little kids, but I'm kind of like, is everything okay in there? You know, if I put my fingers right? I mean, and then if you took the tongue, who knows? My kids might, might bite me, you know, just for fun. Ha, I got you. My point is, like, there's nothing legit about this in the sense of, like, it's total unclean. Unclean! Unclean! You know, unclean! It makes me think of uh, Jesus. Now think about Kevin. Can you go to Luke? Go to Luke 5, verse 12, if you would. Jesus has this knack as he's traveling from Tyre to Sidon. He's doing ministry, preaching the gospel, casting out demons. His disciples are doing the same. He's going through the region of, of the 10 cities here, right? Now look at this. It just says this. Well, it was one of these towns, a man, Luke 5, 12, was there who had a serious skin disease, leprosy all over him. Not just a little on a hand. Remember when, when uh, Miriam, remember she had a leprous hand? It's like this, the leprosy was everywhere. He saw Jesus, fell face down, begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And look what he says in verse 13. Reaching out his hand, he touched the leprosy man who had it everywhere. He said, I am willing to be made clean. To me, compassion leads to action. And what you're going to see in this story and what you're going to see with Jesus is a simple touch. And we say this, do we not? When we go out in the streets, one simple touch could radically change somebody's life. This is where this comes from. You love people and compassion will lead to action. You always ask for permission to put your fingers in their ears. (laughs) You always ask for permission if you're going to touch their tongue. I think the point is this, like you cannot be afraid of how they smell, how they look, how they dress, if they're skinny, if they're chubby. I'm talking about everything, tattooed, hair, no hair, like every single layer. We all judge. Whether or not we like to or not, when you look at somebody, you're like, oh. <laughs> like there's some serious nastiness out there. <laughs> Am I right? And like Jesus would be like, I'm touching it. I'm touching this person because they're made in God's image. Compassion will lead to action, which means there's touch. It's a cool picture to me. And then it says in verse 34, I'm going to walk you through all of these visuals here, okay, in a second, but I want to paint this bigger picture. And then it says, then looking up to heaven, another sign language. Who's he praying to? Well, he shows this deaf man, I'm looking up. I'm dependent upon the God of heaven. 
You know, it could be that image. So ears, tongue, and then he's looking up. And then, and then look what he does. Scripture says he sighed deeply. Any, any thoughts on why the sigh? If this is a form of sign language, go along with me for a second. If this is a sigh deeply, what is he showing to this one person who can't hear and can't speak? It goes back to that compassion, love. He's, he has to show it. Totally. It's like he's bearing his, his burden. Yeah, like there's this like, you know, it was really funny when I was studying this at really early in the morning one day. Uh, Laura walked out and she was opening up the blinds of our, of our house. I was literally on this verse. As she's opening up the blinds, she was like, <sighs> and I got it. I totally got it. I go, hey, why the heavy sigh? <laughs> Starting the day, Kyle. Kids are coming. And you know, like, but like she's carrying that weight. She's feeling that weight of getting ready. And so like, if I'm a person who can't hear and I see this sigh, it's like something is burdening, uh, bur- uh, burdening me. Something is bothering me. Something is like, I care for you. So, okay, Kevin, let's go back to the sign language. I should ask Taylor, but I won't. Kevin, what are, what are the ways that he's already showed sign language to the person who, who can't hear? What is he doing? his fingers in his ears, mm-hmm. touched his... I feel like you should show a visual, because this is a visual here. You want to do it with the Touched his ears. Fingers in his ears. <laughs> touched his thigh. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Uh, what else did he do? This is good. No, what else? That's it's good. That's oh, three. Oh, look to heaven. Yeah, he looked to heaven. So four things. So to me... Um, <laughs> You okay, Taylor? You feel violated? Tasting his finger. <laughs> Gross. Uh, and then look what he did. Here's another component of this. Again, I can't say this for sure, but maybe this guy could, could read lips at this point. Maybe. I don't know. But Jesus said, if, if, fa, tha, epapha. And it, that word means be opened. Again, I don't know, but if he could read lips, but I do know this. That Jesus walked through a healing process, a prayer that this man could understand. Ears, tongue, he realized this came from the Lord and he truly cared about him. And then he said two words. Epaph, ephatha. (laughs) I totally messed that up. And so here's what I love is we're to be put together a couple things. One is in this servant mentality of this touch, of having compassion, okay? One is Kent Hughes actually just says, and and this is cool to me. This is a model, Kent Hughes says, a model for ministry. Okay, so you know how, you guys, we do love, listen, discern, and respond. To us, it's time to revive how we engage people. We love them. uh, We listen to them. uh, We discern, and then we respond. Here's another model. Okay, it's a simple one. Uh, what, is, what, is, uh, what does Jesus do? Well, first of all, in verse 34, it says he's looking up to heaven. So he does show his look. Okay, I think it's a cool picture. He depends upon the Lord. In this whole process, we know he's depending upon the Lord. Okay, another part of the model is his sigh. Okay, which we know, Kevin, you equated this to, and I, I like this too, and I want us to fill in these words. That would imply he has compassion. What would you say his look means, Jeff? There's got to be one word. When he's looking up, what is he implying? Dependence. Dependence, absolutely. 
So part of the model for ministry is dependence will always lead to compassion. Okay. And then what have we seen as well? What does he do? His, his touch. How would you guys define this word? Is there, is there another word uh, that, that leads to this? Maybe it's the word action. Or love. Oh, yeah, that's good. Dependence leads... Well, compassion and love are kind of the same, I would say. Wouldn't you say? Touch to me is following through with what, what, what we've already seen. So here you have dependence upon the Lord, compassion for that person. So if we can say this, dependence upon on the Lord, compassion for others, right? And then you see action taking place. And then this is, this is my favorite one here is number four, and can I just say this, in society, I actually think the church, I actually think we do this pretty well at times. Just hang here for a second. I actually think we do depend upon the Lord. I actually think there is compassion. And what we do with the touch component is, is this, and I'm not saying this is bad, I'm just saying this happens. We do a lot of social justice. A lot. I have, again, God does this. He feeds, we, we're supposed to feed people, we're supposed to take care of people, give them blankets, give them shelter, all of these components. But we cannot stop here. It's almost like we're okay with touching and praying for them. But we got to believe that God can show up and do a miracle as well. Part of being a servant is understanding you have the authority that's been given to you to walk out the miraculous touch. And so here you have number four, as Kent Hughes says, is you have his word. His word, okay, and for me, <laughs> like, this is where he says, epaphthatha. <laughs> I think I've changed that every time I've said that. Which he's saying, be open. You know what that means? He believes that God is going to show up and heal this deaf and mute person. And I feel like sometimes in the American church, it's like we have a stop sign right here. It's like, oh yeah, I'm depending upon the Lord. I actually care for the lost. I actually want to walk through and I want to give them blankets. I want to take care of them. I actually am willing to hug them. But to believe that God could heal them? No, that's not for today. It's like we stop at this point, but His Word says God can show up at any given time. He's the same as yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen? And so to me, that's the mentality. Let's take it one step further. Let's extend the hand of Christ, the healing hand of Christ, and let's begin to walk out and see what God can do. Be open. Let the ears hear. Let the mouth actually begin to speak. And so I don't, I don't even know. Do you guys have a word for dependence and compassion and action? Do you have a word for his word? Authority. Ah, that's good. Kevin, authority. When we begin to walk with authority, I actually think <laughs> we'll see the miracle. The reason I don't think we see miracles is, Kevin, I actually think you hit it right on the head. I don't think we walk with authority. And says this in verse, uh, where are we going, Kevin? Verse 35, immediately his ears were opened, his speech difficulty was removed, and he began to speak clearly. And you already know what's going to happen before we even read verse 36. Don't, please, 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 just don't tell anybody right now. <laughs> just come on, I want to get in my boat. Give me a second here, right? You know, in verse 36, then he ordered them to tell no one. <laughs> And I love this. But the more that he told the guy that could never talk. Yeah, right. Hello. <laughs> I can talk. I can hear. The more he would order them, the more they would proclaim it. <laughs> His goal at this point 
as MacArthur, John MacArthur says, was not to have a public ministry. Not at this point. In verse 37, they were extremely astonished. And they said, he has done everything well. I love that phrase. It's like he's gotten all the perfect check marks. It's like everything he's passed. His reviews are, are, are amazing. He's done everything well. He's make, he, makes, he even makes deaf people hear and people unable to speak talk. That phrase, he has done everything well. It, I had to go to Genesis 1.31. Like it just made me think back to uh, really the creation. In Genesis 1.31, it has this feel, the same language. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. It was kind of like, yeah, this is the real deal. God's done. Jesus is done and he's doing an amazing, he's doing an amazing work. Can you go to Genesis, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 15 verse 31. Go to Matthew 15, verse 31. It says, The crowd was amazed when they saw those unable to speak talking, the deformed restored, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they gave glory to the God of Israel. <laughs> so when you depend upon the Lord, actually have compassion for others, take action, and then walk with authority... I think it's fair to say the Gentiles actually then begin to glorify the God of Israel. Remember, the original audience was the Jewish people, but over the course of time, as Jesus is here in the Greek region here of these ten cities, the Gentiles are beginning to experience who God is. As you unfold this story of Jesus as the servant, showing compassion, and obviously you have, as what Kent Hughes says, a model for ministry, dependence and compassion and action. And then when you walk out with this authority, you're going to see a miracle. But how do you take this spiritually? Because like my, when I spent some time in prayer for this, and one of the things I've really been trying to do in the Gospel of Mark is just saying, okay, I've studied this. Now, Lord, what is it you, what is it you want to say? You know, you could study the commentators, you could study all this, and you're just like, Lord, what is it that I'm personally like, how are you speaking to me? And I, I keep going back to the ears and the tongue. Like I keep going back to uh, the hearing. And so that, there's this phrase, right? Uh, he who has ears to hear. Like I keep going to this component. And so think about this. Whenever Jesus, as one commentator says, addresses those who have ears, he always refers to those because he's been giving them their words. So like he's speaking to them and now he's just saying, are you hearing? So can you go to Matthew eleven fifteen? So spiritually speaking, okay, I'm not talking any longer uh, the physical side, okay? I'm not talking the physical side of you can't hear. I am now talking the spiritual side. Okay, anyone, Jesus says, anyone who has ears should listen, Okay. So if you're listening right now at home, you're driving in the car, just real quick, grab your ears. If you have ears, Jesus is saying, I think you should listen to this. One more, Mark 4, verse 9. Okay, Mark 4, verse 9. And what Jesus is doing is, I'm going to release you to words. I'm going to give you words. I'm going to give you truth. And then he says in Mark 4, verse 9, then he said, anybody who has ears to hear should listen. Go to verse 23, if you would, Kevin. If you would go to verse 23 uh, as well, Mark 4, verse 23, says, if anyone has ears to hear, he should listen. And so... If you have ears, okay, I need you to listen. We know in the scriptures in Mark 7, right, the guy who had bad hearing, he could now hear. Why? Because there was a touch from, from Christ. 
In other words, what I want you to know and understand is I need you to pay attention, Jesus is saying. I want you to actually listen and be in tune. Think about this, the parable of the sower that we never taught on. The parable of the sower talks about as, as uh, this one website got questions. I love what they wrote about this. This is kind of cool to me. Some hear, but they don't ever let it take root. Some uh, reject the word because of persecution and trial. So they hear the truth, but they don't like it. Some hear the word, and I love this, and they allow themselves to understand and accept it, and then it begins to transform them, and you begin to bear fruit. How you hear and receive the word is actually then what you get from it. You could actually hear this word today, Mark 7, and completely tune out and never let the Holy Spirit speak to you. It's not actually what I say. It's what the word of God says. If your ears are open to seeing transformation in your lives, I promise you the Spirit of God is going to speak to you. If you're open to what He's saying, but if you go through this constantly time after time and just saying, oh, it's the Word of God, I've been here. Oh, the words of God, I've done this. I'd say you're not that far off from the seven churches in Revelation. In fact, Kevin, if you go there, go to Revelation 2-7, the church of Ephesus. Every time that there's a word of encouragement and warning, right, in the Revelation, at the very end, he always says this, anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. You guys remember the, the blasphemy, the number one blasphemy is, right? The unforgivable is what? To blasphemy the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you and you reject the Spirit of God, it's really hard to hear from the Lord. And what he says seven times to the church of Ephesus, to the church of Smyrna, to the church of Pergamum, to the church of Thyatira. Kevin, can you go to Revelation 3, 6? To the church of Sardis. Revelation 3, 6, it just says this. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Anytime that he says to the church of Philadelphia, and Kevin, if you would go to Revelation 3, 22, every one of these churches, even in Laodicea, every one of these, he's speaking to the church. It's in the end times. As we're getting closer, he says, anybody who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I think it's pretty cool to me, but how do you do this? How do you, with ears, listen to what the Spirit of God is saying? I think it's time to tune in. When you tune into the Spirit of God, I actually believe we can hear from Him. John 10, verse 27. Kevin, can you, can you go there? John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28. I give them eternal life and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. When you tune into the Spirit of God, he, He'll speak to us. Mark 4, verse 24. Pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured and added to you. I think this is awesome. Pay attention to the truth that you hear. Pay attention to the Spirit of God speaking to you because by how you use it, you will be measured and it will be added to you. To you, I think the point is this, and there's more here to this story. Hmm. Actually, can you go to Revelation 3.20, Kevin? Revelation 3.20 says, Listen, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and have dinner with him and he with me. I believe Jesus is, because of his compassion, he's wanting to have a relationship with every one of us. The question is, is are we willing to hear and listen to his voice? As crazy as this sounds, a deaf man heard his voice. He saw his lips. He saw his fingers. He felt his, his touch. He experienced Christ. And you know what? He was physically healed. And my challenge is, is are we walking in spiritual 
Healing is a weird word. Spiritual anointing. Are we embracing what he's saying to us? And I I don't know. I I know stories about physical healing, but every time I keep hearing about ears, I just keep feeling like the church's ears need to be open. And I feel like our tongues need to be released so that we'll speak with authority and compassion. It might end it on a different way, but I just, I asked the Lord, where do you want me to go with this? And I just feel like some of us can't connect at all. We're not deaf, but spiritually, we need to be in tune with what the Lord's saying to us. All right, guys, that is Mark 7, and uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks.